wasn't out there. Keys um, just get pucks deep, you know, play the corners hard, we'll see if good things will happen for us. Yep, we're back. It's just dishing at 95. Willie's back in the driver's seat producing. Derek's still down end. John Tudor's back. Dressed like he just got off the range. Willie looks like he just got off a 36 bender. 36 hole bender. Um, yeah, boys, I think that's just get, we're getting right into it with um, the before we get into that, though, because I don't know about you, boys. I'm getting the golf itch. March just hit and I'm itching. But real quick, to Gary Bettman, the NHL, whoever, for the love of God, I got two things for you. Fix the goddamn playoff format. It should be one through eight. It never should have changed. It's a travesty to our game that it has changed. Please fix it. Put it back to one through eight in each conference. Sidney Crosby said it. Do we have to listen to anybody else? I mean, come on. Number two, what the fuck does distinct kicking motion mean? <laughs> I knew we were going here. I knew it. Can anybody tell me that? Uh, Why can't it just be kicking motion? So I'm obviously where those listening, I, referencing the goal that, of course, against the Sabres, it had to be a guy we drafted in Hudson Fashing. Shout out to him, though. Good for him. Got the call up, taking advantage of some opportunities. We'll never degrade a guy for doing that. With that in mind, I did say Hudson Fashing. Like, it's dunk to have it happen with that guy because he's kind of part of that group when things weren't going great in Buffalo. You know what I mean? So it's just like that extra, that frustration where it's like, I was watching that and I'm watching the ESPN broadcast. None of them at any point brought up the rule about like deliberate uh, without the stick, right, Willie? Like if you, if your puck gets hit towards the goal by an attacking player with something other than the stick and the motion was deliberate, no goal. I get if you say Fashing's trying to knock that puck down to his stick, turning his leg so it settles and he can tap it in. Reality is, buddy, you missed. You're a hockey player. You're not a soccer player. Your first touch was bad, and you kicked it in. Probably I rest my case. If anyone has anything on that, but that cost the Sabres, in my opinion, at least the point, and we're now in a playoff race, so that was frustrating. But when I'm watching this ESPN broadcast and nobody brings up that rule, they're just saying, is it a distinct kicking motion? I'm like, what are we asking? We can all agree. The ref on the ice called it no goal. So I've never seen it like that reversed where it's like the the call on the ice. And I'm under the impression for replay. When you reverse a call from the call that it is on in live time from the official, you need like irrefutable evidence to overturn it. And they're saying like, we're not seeing irrefutable evidence that he that it was a kicking motion. And it's like, but that's not the call. The call on the ice wasn't a goal. The call on the ice was no goal. So you need to see evidence overturning the fact that he did not kick it. And I just don't think that that was there. Yes, I'm a Sabres fan, but <laughs> God. <laughs> you don't say. You guys, no, you I, both, I agree like, with you. You both saw the play, right? Did you both yeah. see it? I saw, well, I I totally saw the highlight forgot. this morning. I, I did not see it live. Okay. But, I forgot uh, about Fashing so much that like when he scored that, I was like, oh, that's a familiar name. Like I, I've heard of this man's before. Oh, I didn't think it was him. I thought it was just a different 
I didn't even because they never said I never saw it until his nameplate came up and it said Hudson. Yeah. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> we know this guy. Yeah. Lit it all well, Minnesota. I just think it's so hard to determine like an exact motion or an exact call that you can or can say like she's offsides and football is easy because you can blatantly see the guy go over the line or like encroachment or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But when you have something that's you don't have a distinct object to base this on, like it's like a high stick above the cross, missed a couple over of the shoulder, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. There's so many different things that it's up in the air, and it that's one of the things that's really tough. I mean, you see it in baseball now, which I don't want to get too too deep into baseball, but they're they're <laughs> doing more, and they're like doing the robotic uh, umpire, like yeah, the camera umpire. So it's that. like all the things that are up in the air that have such an impact on the end of the season, just like us right now, who knows what this is going to do for us. I don't want to start, start talking about it because last time we talked like this, Ryan O'Reilly put two home in first five minutes and I don't want to deal with this anymore. So you don't know what's going to happen. Thankfully they're not playing tonight. So we're in the clear. (laughs) Right. But it's, uh, it's up for like the ref's discretion. And I think that you got to tighten it up. It's not even that. It's goalie yeah. interference as well. But and the problem, that's the, the thing problem, too. Willie, too, though, with calls like that, whether it's a play like happened last night or it's goalie interference, those are always going to be plays that aren't as simple as balls and strikes in a box where you can control that with an electronic yeah. ump that's literally never going to miss a call. Where like those are always going to be judgment calls, right? Whether you have ten people sitting in a booth watching every play, you know, close up on a screen, which I don't think is a bad idea to make the right call in a lot of games. Uh, but yeah, I think to Benny's point, what the big issue with that is, it's the fact that it was called no goal on the ice, and then it was overturned after watching the video and watching a slow motion replay to make it a good goal. Right. Yeah. Like I could, I could understand Mm -hmm. if it was a situation right where the guy was trying to tip a puck in front of the net. Obviously it misses, you know, maybe the shaft or the, the blade of his stick and it goes off the inside of his leg and into the net. Like, sure. That's a good goal. That, that happens all the time on deflections in the NHL. But when you see the stick, not even attempting to go at it and that extra little leg motion that, you know, you can argue kind of looks like you're just going to stop sometimes, right? We've all stopped like that and hit the brakes on the ice, but it clearly went closer to the net in the path of the puck at the last second and deflected it in so it's like that's where it's tough right and i at first my head went to distinct kicking motion right because the rule was put in place for kicking motion to protect players around the net right you don't want somebody kicking around a goalie or other players with sharp blades on their feet no brainer but then when you actually look at the whole rule which frankly i didn't realize the language of the rule in the book um it's any body part, um, you know, not just your foot. So yeah. at, fir- at first, they specifically say anything other than the stick. Exactly. And that's what, honestly, I didn't even really realize until last night. I always just thought about it as obviously you can't kick the puck into the net. 
So when I first saw the replay, I was like, eh, like it wasn't like he kicked it with his foot. It wasn't in a dangerous play where you're, you know, flailing your feet around. But then when mm-hmm. I looked at how the rule is actually laid out in the rule book, it's like, oh, yeah, that can't, that can't be a goal. And it's yeah, and not for nothing too. Like, I mean, there's a million things, but last thing I'll say on it, it's like when you're sitting there talking about a play like that too, like I always want to think to ask people like, cause sometimes I just don't get what they're saying. It's like, have you ever had a puck f- get redirected like at your lower body? Like even if you try and kick it and just knock it down, the chances of that fucking thing going where you think it's going to go or you know what I mean? Like, I you don't think lucky. he tried to kick it. That's my point is like, I don't think Hudson fashion got to the NHL thinking he can kick pucks into the net and they count. That's not my point. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think he was trying to do it. So you can't sit there and say like, Oh, I don't think he tried to do that. So it's not a distinct kicking motion. Like, no, he, his foot moved and his leg went towards the net. Like it's the whole argument of does intent matter, right? Like, just because I didn't mean to trip you doesn't mean that it's not a two minute tripping penalty when I put my stick out and it goes between your skates and you fall down. Yeah. It doesn't matter that I wasn't trying to trip you. It's still a penalty. Yeah. It's just scary that there was enough evidence to overturn that. Right? Yeah. Like, as, as it just, you don't argue with the ref, the call he makes stands normally. And yeah. for the majority of the time, now it's, well, we got to microanalyze it. Yeah. See, no I goal. Always, now it's a goal. How many times does it go that way? I yeah. always go back and I, I love listening to the 32 Thoughts podcast with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. It's a great I show. Think, I think they do an incredible job breaking down hockey. But one thing that they always talk about when they're talking about rule changes in the NHL, and this isn't exactly a rule change, but I think the logic applies is the thought process always needs to be. If game seven of the Stanley Cup final was decided on this type of play, would you be okay with that? And they've talked about it with like reviewing offsides or things like that. So in this case, I look at it and it's like, all right, you know, regardless of who's in the Stanley Cup final, whether it's my favorite team or anyone else's, doesn't matter. If we're watching that game and that's the game winning goal in game seven, are we good with that? I would say probably not. Right. But then also, too, I would say that's part of sports. It is. Guess what? Sometimes the better team loses. That's just the way it is. We pay and officials, whether we like it or not, are a part of the game. They're paid to be there. They're hired to give their judgment based on the book of rules for a given thing and apply it to what they see in real time. So yes, if we're going to, again, again, we can't get out of this replay thing, but that's why I was always somebody who was like, I think it's stupid because it's now we're here. Like not to toot my own horn. I just, I feel like a lot of people saw this come, these kinds of things coming too, but like, I don't know. It's uh, it's just one of those things, man, where yes, I want the calls to be right. But at the same time, it's much like I I want to think the officials know enough about the game, have the experience, and understand like 
the implications of the calls they make in real time. Like, I don't think any official is going to wave that off when he's like, I don't know if that was this or that. Like, he saw what he saw and he, boom, right away. No, that looked like you kicked it. Isn't that enough to be a distinct? We got to have Barry in Toronto look at it with his 18 donuts and his cup of coffee and he's got to call up fucking Brendan Shanahan. Hey, you want to come down and look at this? Or I don't know what the fuck they do there. I know they got a ton of camera angles and they're watching every game, but it's just, again, like if we're going to sit there and look at this thing for 10 minutes, yes, we're probably going to keep having the debate of, well, this guy says, oh, it's clear and obvious kicking motion. Oh, this guy says no chance. And you know what I mean? So it's just like, that's always going to happen no matter how many times we look at shit. Just let the people you pay to make the call, make it. And if the other team doesn't like it, that's why some of the hockey officials, I think, are some of the best in sports. Because the way the game is called, you get makeup calls. And other, and we all involved in the game and a game given game of hockey understand and accept that we Broadca- that broadcasts know that I'm watching the Pens last week against uh, I think it was the second time they played Tampa in that series and I'm watching the broadcast and the first two penalties of the game were called in favor of the Penguins giving them a power play and the announcers even said they were like hey in the second period like your penalty kill better be on because you know they're going to call one against you the first opportunity they get and it's like that's it's part of the game right we all get it like as a fan you know I'm not pissed off about it as a player you're not pissed off when that happens you just understand that that's part of the flow of the game yeah and I want I think that is a beautiful thing about the way hockey officials operate is because they're essentially saying when they do that, right? Oh shit. When they, cause you know, when the next period or the next pause in action, if they can at certain leagues, they're going to go watch the replay. Mm-hmm. They're going to ch- check out the jumbotron and they're going to say, ah, fuck, I missed that one. I owe these guys one now. And it's just, that's, that's cool. Cause then each team gets a bullshit power play and a bullshit penalty kill. Even Steven, keep going. Whatever happens, happens. Yep. And so, yeah, that's my two cents on that. But I wanted to see what you guys thought before we well, uh, dove into anything else. What do you got, Willie? That kick-in can happen now. That can happen now. And it's a lot better than a foot in the crease. So we'll get it out of the yeah. way now. <laughs> yes. And we'll deal with whatever comes later. Amen. I don't mind. It's not oh, a foot in the to crease. That. Yeah. Cheers. Uh I, uh, I have to confess, I want to apologize to a hopeful sponsor of ours, Labat Blue Light. Um, one of my favorite beers, if not my favorite, my choice beer. If I'm sitting down and I want a nice, tasty, cold, crisp, clean as a whistle beverage, it's going to be a Blue Light. But I got another game tonight, and we got five forwards. So Benny's going to be skating a lot. You got to so, be hydrated. Yeah, I got to. Yeah. So we're going to save that. You got to save a few cold ones for after the game. Yeah. So um, we'll see how that goes, but it'll either way it'll be a good workout, good skate, and I'll I'll have some after. It'll be fine. I'll get them in. But you got in a little tussle last game, though, right? Maybe you could, you know, maybe pack some foil in the in the old bag for yourself. Tussle. Yeah, you got into it. You were telling me you got. Oh buddy yeah. came at you yeah. with his stick, and you were like, "Hey, yeah. you're not yeah. gonna do that to me." Was he swinging it at you like a baseball no. bat, or what? Uh, uh, buddy tried to. He said, uh, "Well, so the game was six to four, 
we were down and me and Nick kind of linked up on a play and it was like at the blue line, a little exchange. He went in and scored and they were bitching that I was offsides and I didn't realize they were talking about me, but like, boys, when I shit you not, when he crossed over with the puck, if I sat down, both of my nuts would be dead center of the blue line. Like in the middle of the width, like I couldn't have been straddling the blue line better. Like if you yeah, took a picture of that, they would, yeah, I know. Right. So if you take, you take a picture of that, like that would be when in the dictionary, when they say avoid offsides, you straddle the blue line. Perfect. And you know what I mean? I'm not going to toot my horn about my shots or my passes or my defensive plays. I take pride in staying on sides. That's what I do. Damn so player, I'm on baby. sides and the guy's like, this one defenseman's just bitching about it. Like he's like, he was off sides by a mile. And I'm like, what were you watching? I just kind of made a general comment to him and he mumbled something and I kept asking him. So I'm on the right wing lined up at the face off. He's left D and he mumbled something. And I'm like, what? And he's just like, I'll come over there and take those chains from you. Like my necklaces. And I'm like, um, Okay come try it. And he's like, I will, I'll come take this. I'm like, come fucking try it. So he stands up and starts skating towards me. I'm like, okay, I guess he wants to try. So instead of like dropping the gloves, like I was getting ready for, he just comes at me like this and he can't really skate that well. He's just a big dude tries to cross check me. So I go like up and under right at the chin, bottom of the cage and just stun him a little and just kind of grabbed him quick. Just put him down facing the ice. Like I didn't punch him. I just like, he tried, he failed, and I just, it's okay. You just set him down it, gently and put him to bed. Yeah. Like, don't, yeah. Yikes. It's like, dude, we're in beer league. Like, yeah, I forgot to take my fucking necklaces off. That's not a bad shirt, but I thought he was, the first time I thought he was being funny. So I was just like, eh, are you being funny? So I asked him again, and he was dead serious. So, Right, yeah. like sometimes it's tough to tell when you get tripped yeah. like that because every once in a while you get like that fun team where you get that banter back and forth. And you're oh like, yeah, you're giving it to each other a little bit, but everyone's laughing and nobody's yeah. really pissed off. And sometimes it's tough to tell. Yeah, so I wouldn't. It wasn't much of anything. It was you know. Then you know he shook my hand in the line and nothing, nothing bad about it. I don't. You know what I mean. And then again, beer league too. Like this guy's just probably. For all I know, he's being a funny guy for his boys because you're about to win the game. He's in one. Probably had a few pops before. So that's why I'm not trying to, you know, get into a fucking gloves dropping fight, you know, if it's not needed. Like, you want to come try and take my shit. Come try it. Just put you down there. It's okay. <laughs> it just worked out. <laughs> It could have easily been a guy where I got unlucky and this dude knew some MMA shit and he's like, oh, he thinks I can't come take that shit. And then he literally takes the chains off your neck without you noticing. He takes the chains, my stick, one of my gloves, (laughs) a shin pad, and I'm just sitting there like, what? Naked on the ice. Could have easily went that way, but it didn't. So whatever here we are that's so i had to ask you mentioned it you mentioned it to me i had to ask because we touched on uh last time us three were on the podcast we did touch on a little beer league madness but i had to get after it yeah boy um yeah when we have nick on though i'm sure he'll talk about it because he was fired up in the room after benny i've never seen you that mad like i wasn't that mad i just i was surprised he was actually gonna try so i just kind of snapped into action that's all so good (laughs) so good Um, but yeah, so we hit some of the hockey points, but I mean, 
we ha- we got to do this because it's March and your boy, like I mentioned, I'm itching. itching. Golf's getting here. And I know it was something where we kind of had some beer league takes that it seemed like we got some really good reception on from the listeners. And I know we got some golfers who listen to the show because I'm honestly, how did you get through the summer with us and you didn't like golf? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, it was always coming up. How does it not? So I know, and you two, Tudor and Willie, are two avid golfers. I would say I'm an avid golfer, but I think you two are a little more experienced at avid golfing than me, I would say. You know, Tudor, you've worked at some courses, right? You know, yep. you still do from time to time. You got good connects there. Always when you're back home, you can play. Willie, you grew up around the game. For me, my dad paint, made a little green and I would hit five irons into it like when I was a kid. Like I just learned how to swing. I didn't learn how to like play, play, you know? So this is going to be super interesting for me to kind of be in the middle on this, on some golf course takes and stuff. I mean, I I am I have a little experience with both of you talking golf. Willie, not so much in this show setting, but Tudor, I promise I won't bring up scrambles for any of us. <laughs> I just won't do it. We'll leave that, that alone hot, if you that want. That was a hot take of mine last summer. Yeah. Wait, what's what's up with scramble? No, now you brought no. it up. I gotta hear. I gotta <laughs> so hear. Willie, I gotta know. Willie, I had a I had a kind of a hot take last summer where I is said, it a hot tutor be fair to yourself i don't know that it's a hot take. i don't know is that it's just that, an opinion and a preference for yeah you? i i guess it's a preference and like my preference is to not play scrambles like i play in one or two every summer that are just charity scrambles like one of them is out here in buffalo and then there's another one that's out in rochester that my golf partner i play in tournaments runs um you know, raise some money, have fun, whatever. But my argument was it's not like real golf. So when I show up for a scramble, I feel like I never really hit the ball well because I'm not thinking about it like golf. I'm like, yeah, I'm here to have a few beers, raise a little bit of money for a great cause and then uh, have the meal after, right? Like, and it's not my favorite thing in the world like because it takes a team it makes it a team thing to the extreme almost in the golf setting whereas golf is very much a solo thing at its core it it, yeah right like Like, like, as far as individual play and scoring yeah and and i like i do to clarify like i love team golf too so you know my my golf partner from the course i used to work at him and i play in a member member (laughs) tournament there every summer but it's a two-man best ball format. So mm. for everyone at home that maybe isn't as experienced, what that means is, you know, Tony and I, uh, in this case, we're both on the <clears throat> same team. You play your own ball the whole way through the hole. So if he and I are playing against Benny and Willie and I make a bogey on the hole and Tony makes a par on the hole, our team gets a par, but you play your own ball the whole way. And then if Willie makes a par and Benny makes a birdie, their group <laughs> their group wins the hole. That's so they go, about right. They go one Damn. point up on us, and they got a birdie, we got a par. But I like it because there's a little bit of leeway where, like, hey, if you know, we all know in golf, you don't always have it that day, but you at least get to play your own ball and you get to grind it out a little bit, right? Yeah. So that's kind of what when I play team golf, that's the format I like to play. You know, it's crazy you bring that up because I went on a, it was just a golf trip to Lake Placid uh, last summer, 
and a bunch of guys, a bunch of the gentlemen got together, and I was really fired up. We had a little format. It wasn't like Ryder Cup, but it was like everyone play their all ball, their own ball on Friday. Uh, Saturday morning, we'll take like the ranks and we'll put you with someone, and it'll be two v two scramble. Mm-hmm. And then the last round was, I don't know how we ranked it or how we managed to do it. It was a Texas scramble where you both drive and then you play the best drive and then you play your ball, your own ball in. And then it was the two V two best ball situation after that. So whoever had the best ball after the the best drive, I guess, but there was a setup where we were supposed to do a four man scramble the last day. And it's funny because I'm normally someone to advocate for scrambles because I think if you're going to start the game, you need to start in a scramble where it's no pressure. It's a fun environment and you can have a great time, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going to start the game of golf, that's a great way to get into it and not take it too serious. But when I, even when I was on that trip, that last, that last round came and it was the nicest course out of the three courses we played. And I was like, you know what? We took a group of four people and we were like, look at, we'll go last, but we're going to all play our own ball. Like this is the nicest course we've been to. And I, I do understand that. And I do appreciate like how you feel about that too. because that's a big thing. Like if you want to go and enjoy a course, like you're not going to Pebble beach and having a four man scramble. So I guess Willie, that's a great point because so I go on a couple golf trips every year. One of them, I just went on in January down to Florida and we play some cool courses. There's a couple we've played before that we just love And then we usually we'll mix it up, play a few different ones. It's four days. You play 18 the day you fly down, 36 Friday, 36 Saturday, home on Sunday. It is nothing but golf. But we've played around with different formats. We've done the team stuff. We've done individual. We've done a combination of the two. But one of the guys was always joking about, you know, oh, like alternate shot would be cool. And a few of us told them, I was like, look, I would love to play an alternate shot competition, but let's do that on our home course at home where, you know, we're members or we're not paying every round um, or somewhere that we get to play whenever we want right. versus the course that I get to play once a year, or maybe I don't get to play it again down in Florida. And I just paid $120 to go tee it up. Like yeah. I'm not going to pay $120 to tee it up and then hit half the shots. Yeah. That's, no, I completely so like, agree. So that's tough. That's the tough part of it too. Sometimes is like those formats can be fun. But when you're a guy like us and you got to pay to play golf, you got to pick your spots where that stuff makes sense, right? Like, absolutely. You know. Yeah. No, I think it's a good idea for all of us to go out and do it. Like, even when, you know, Benny and I, during our nine to five, we'd have a little golf outing. And that was sort of like a team aspect. You play your own ball, but, you know, you count up both your scores and there's a person in the A bracket, person in the B bracket. And, you manage to find a way to make it fun for everyone. And I think that's a really good thing. But like you said, it's like, I'm not going to go on a trip to Myrtle beach or to Florida with a bunch of people and not enjoy the golf course as it was made. Like, and I'm going to enjoy it the way I want to enjoy it. And if I go out there and I shoot a 90, I don't care. I'm still having fun. Exactly. This the thing is you don't need to have a stress free environment to enjoy. Some people do. You earned that fucking. You tried to airmail it over the fucking pond and you put four balls in there. You deserve that 90 and you want to own it. 
I fucking well, so, respect that. Yeah, I respect well, that. So that's the thing. That's the thing, right? It's like obviously, like you're not excited to when you you get to certain levels in your golf game as you progress, where there's certain scores you shoot that you're disappointed that that's what you came in on the scorecard with, but you're still like there's something about the game of golf where it's like if I get to go away. And on a vacation and I get to play a really cool course that I've been looking forward to. If I don't have it that day, I'm still just going to be smiling and be like, damn, like I'm happy to be here. This is a dude. A nine to five is place. still better than a 95 is still better than the yeah. nine to five we would be doing during the day or working, whatever you'd be doing otherwise. Right. No, that's, that's exactly it. That's, Mm-hmm. You gotta even even as you get better in the game of golf, the like the biggest thing I think I've learned over the last however many years playing is I it's almost gone opposite for me. Like the better I've gotten, the less serious I've taken myself out there. And yeah. I really think the two go hand in hand because when I was first starting to play and I was like struggling to break a hundred and all that stuff. It was just frustrating because I'd go out there and I'd hit a bad shot and, you know, 17 year old me is getting all pissed off and, you know, whatever. And then I kind of realized a couple years later, like, all right, one, you're not helping yourself play any better. And two, you're making it miserable for the other three guys (laughs) out here because you, you're not quite frankly, you're not good enough to slam a club. Like, Nobody is. You know what I mean? Nobody is. I, I joke I joke with people now, and I've had a couple buddies get pissed at me for cracking that joke on the golf course. But I was like, look, guys, we're all paying to play golf. So I don't care if you're a five handicap or a 25 handicap. You're not good enough to throw clubs and throw a temper tantrum out here. None of us are. When you're throwing the club further than your ball, it's just, it's just in general, it's stupid. Like it, it, it's There's a reason they put that joke in Happy Gilmore, because you look like an idiot, no matter who you are when you do it. I don't know. And it's just one of those things, right? Club went further golf, than your ball. It's a, it's a four hour, it's a four to five hour commitment on a Saturday or a Sunday. Oh yeah. Are you, are you really going to waste half of your, your two days off a week? being upset about something if you are find another hobby yeah are you mad because you sprayed your fucking second shot into the water the water's bigger than the fairway we're hitting a dinky that little ball on a dinky little club you got about that much margin for error come on like it's that's why i love the game yeah exactly you could step up to the same exact golf ball every single time and you can step up on same i'm gonna hit my driver this time and it's gonna go dead straight i'm gonna hit my driver next hole and it's gonna go 45 miles to the right or 45 (laughs) miles to the left like or it's barely gonna get off the ground i think that's my favorite part about the game is that i can be as comfortable as i think i want to be and when i actually hit the ball i'm not sure exactly where it's gonna go i would like to think i have a good idea but I'm not good enough to be like, oh, I'm going to look here and I'm going to put it there. And if I don't, I'm going to be pissed. I don't feel like that. I'm like, uh, hell, if I get it close, I'm fired up, dude. Yeah. Like, get get after it. But yeah. that's the thing is like, there's so many different levels. Like, at the end of the day, I think if you're playing golf, you want to get better. No matter where you're at, no matter what your handicap is, you're always a little damaged inside where you're like, 
I want to get better. Or like, oh, I should have hit that one. What am I doing? Like, no, you don't know what you're doing. Hit the ball and go get it. Play along. Play. If fast. I knew what I was doing, I would never waste a perfect tee shot. Like I do every time, every summer, every round. Perfect piss missile down the middle, 250. And then I step up with the pitching wedge in and I hit a fucking beaver pelt 20 yards. And the My ball favorite. goes 25. My favorite. You know what I mean? It's, a, it's just. But I one do of those think things. that we have to add that our group as a scramble team would probably be really good. Like, I think, so too. I think mm-hmm. that we have a lot of strengths and they're mm-hmm. all different strengths to our games. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, I don't want anyone else five yards away from, from the green and maybe like another 15 to the hole than Ben Yaman himself. This oh man God. is made of hands. I'm telling you right now, so, this dude so. this dude will rip that flop shot out from five yards away and tuck it right next to the hole. You talk about tucking that dude to bed on the ice. You'd be tucking them balls to bed, I tell you that. So, Willie, I go out last summer, right, and this is the first time I ever played golf with Ben. And I think I told this story on the podcast last summer, but – so we go out there and we're playing with our buddy Burke. Now, Burke, <laughs> Burke just recently got into golf. He's another hockey guy. Kid's a beauty. And we get out there. We're on hole number one at Rothland out in Akron. And Burke hits his ball up, hits a beautiful drive down the fairway. And he looks at me and he was like, and I'd never played with him before either. He goes, Dude, that doesn't normally happen. Then he gets up there, hits one down the middle. I'm like, all right, these boys, these boys are pretty good for like, they, you know, they're telling me they suck, whatever. So they both, they both get up there, they miss the green on their approach shots, and um, you know, we're, they're off. So they're front I right, they, I think. Right, they're, they're both front right on the green laying three at this point after like an ant iron shot and then missing just short with a wedge. So I hit my shot up onto the green and I'm, I'm walking from the cart with my putter in my hand. I look over and Burke goes, yeah, this is where the wheels fall off right around the green kid proceeds to chip in for par. Then, then he turns around, grabs his ball out of the cup, Benny's waiting for him to move out of the way. Benny pulls his wedge out, chips in for par. I'm like, are you guys fucking kidding me? We get to the we get to the next hole. Benny had me drinking so many high noons that day, I couldn't even write my scores down. <laughs> like, it's kid's unbelievable. Like, I'm thinking he's out he's out here being like, eh, I'm not that good. And sure, he, you know, he had some good shots and bad shots, whatever. But the first hole for both of those guys to be like, yeah, I'm not that good. And then back to back, just chip in, chip in. But that's how it is, right? Like that's Just, that's the game of golf in general. It's like it, don't expect anything out of yourself, and then you get surprised with your result. I that's tell that to everybody when they're on the course with me. It happened with Willie, I'm sure. Or, uh, how often do you play? Like I play a little bit, and it's like I'll do something where I'll have a nice chip shot or whatever. And you're like, oh, you play a little bit, and it's like, yeah, 
I mean, <laughs> do you want me to hit I mean, it again? If the ball's not going to go there again. He didn't go out <laughs> and shoot 75 that round. Right. But, you know, it's whatever. It, we had a didn't shoot a 95 either. No, we had an absolute blast. I think it was a 91. Was um, that's <laughs> just, just one of my, I think it was in the 80s that round. That's well, just high one 80s. of my favorite stories with Benny. Just unbelievable. Right around the green. Little little hand shot. But, I mean, we see that on the ice all the time from him. Oh, geez. Here we go. The chemistry goes, it goes hand in hand. I think, you know, the hockey and golf really do go hand in hand so well that it's, it's the demeanor. Like you, if you keep your demeanor on the ice, you probably keep your demeanor on the golf course. That's you could tell a lot about someone playing around a golf with them. Uh, Dude, I'm glad you said that because that's always on my mind. And I've told people that too, Willie, where it's like you play 18 holes with someone, you can tell so much about kind of how they approach life, right? Yeah. You know, how, do, how do they react when things go their way? How do they react when they get a bad bounce? You know, what happens if, you know, they they hit a ball out of bounds or, you know, even better if they hit a good shot and it takes a bad hop and goes, you know, somewhere that it probably shouldn't have and they get unlucky. You could, you could tell a lot about it. You know, you spend four hours with someone watching the way they react to things. It's uh, yep. yeah, four hours doing things. one of the hardest activities you can fucking conjure up. Right. Yeah. Right. You guys ever seen the Robin Williams bit about golf and his stand-up? No. You got to no. look that up. It's so funny. It is amazing. Um, he just has this whole take about how mean the people were. It was like how they intentionally made golf so hard. Like, yeah, you guys golf. It's fucking impossible. <laughs> what can we do? Oh, we'll make a 500. And he does it in like a Scottish accent like Robin Williams do. I know. We'll make it to hold 500 fucking yards. And we'll give you a little stick to hit the ball with. Oh, I know what we'll do. We'll make the hole really, really small that you can't see it. It's so small you have to put a flag in it to know where it is. And he has all these takes about golf. It's so funny. And just when you listen to it, you're like, oh. I'm laughing at this, but I'm one of the dopes that plays this fucking game. The amount, of, <laughs> the amount of times that I've driven around the golf course and just thought, this is a really stupid game, <laughs> but I love it so yeah. much. Yeah. Toots, how'd you get into the game? So, I know Benny said his dad got him into it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was. So, my dad never played golf. And when I was a kid, I remember my cousin and I used to kind of laugh because our uncle played a little bit and we were like, oh, that's like an old man thing. Cause we were both baseball players and I got put into like one of those first tee like summer camps when I was probably like 11, 11 or 12. And I did it for two summers. It was like a few weeks, a few weeks long where you would go like a couple days couple days a week and just kind of practice with like a group of kids and that was kind of my intro to the game and then from when I was like 12 to when I was 17 I stopped playing golf because I listened to all the baseball coaches I had and they were like hey stop playing golf if you guys do because you'll ruin your baseball swing and in that mind all I wanted to do was play varsity baseball in high school so I did I stopped And then the summer after I graduated high school, I started working at a local golf course in Rochester called Wildwood. Shout out Wildwood. Wearing the Mm. Joy hoodie right now, Mm. Um, which is where I still I help out and I play there a little bit. But I literally I started 
cleaning carts, washing clubs, all that stuff for the guys when they came off the course. And I was like, man, if I work here, I should probably should probably get into this, right? And I started playing. And now, fortunately for me, I got lucky because working there, I played for free. I lived five minutes away from the course. And the assistant golf pro at the time was a 23-year-old dude who him and I were just chill. We worked together all the time. So we played a ton of golf together. And he would essentially take me out with, like, all of his buddies. And it was me at 17 not being able to break 100, playing with a group of guys who were all either local teaching pros or they played college golf. So they're all scratch players. And I would essentially get a free lesson every time I was on the course with them. And that was massive. I think the best thing you can do in golf is try to put yourself in positions. And I was lucky. I had a really big advantage that a lot of people didn't because I worked there. And those guys went out of their way to include me, right? They didn't have to, you know, those guys who are 23, 24, 25, and they're scratch players, they don't have to text the 17-year-old kid that works in the bag room to include him in their tea times. So I'm always thankful to those guys for that. Um, And then Mike, who's the owner there, he's also a teaching pro and just incredible. Like anytime I was out on the putting green, he'd come out, he'd be like, hey, try this. Or if I was out on the course by myself practicing at night and it was quiet in the clubhouse, he'd buzz out with his clubs and then play like three, four holes with me and be like, all right, bud. And then he'd drop down another ball if I hit a bad shot and be like, try this. And we would work on stuff. So I just fell in love with the game because of that. And now I just, I can't get enough. <laughs> he got bit. Yeah. Got it's, bit. it's incredible. Like, I don't know. Everyone gets in it at different times and everyone's got different paths into the game. But it's funny because what it all leads to is hanging out with the boys on a Saturday or a Sunday, playing 18 holes, getting off the course, going to the bar, figuring out who won their skins match or whatever, (laughs) you know, tossing a couple dollar (laughs) bills around for the payout, a couple cold beers. It's just, that's, it's fun, man. It's a culture. Yeah. It's a beautiful game. Like I grew up, uh, my grandfather played it. So it was on my mom's side. So my mom introduced it to me and, I remember I was playing golf in high school and I actually qualified for sectionals. And I told my dad, I said, Hey, I qualify for sectionals. He's like, Oh, nice job. I said, can I go get golf shoes? And he goes, well, you made it this far. Why the hell do you need them now? And I was like, (laughs) Jesus, like I'm the only one just walking around in my like Nike golden black shoes. Like they were just like running shoes and I'm just hitting the ball around, but I grew up around it and I was so driven by hockey that I was blinded by like, the, the greatness that golf can can give you like and it just it, it's such a great game because you can spend as much time as you absolutely want on it and it'll still drive you mad unless you know like you have to be told what to do correctly or else you're never gonna have that natural feeling unless you're tiger woods or anyone who's able to grab a club and swing perfectly with that natural feeling but anyone who's played baseball anyone who's played lacrosse anyone who's used to any sort of movement like where you're swinging or like, geez, even chopping wood, like every sort of movement, you feel it, 
but it's Willie, not you can say hockey when you say chopping wood. You don't have to subtly say like you playing defense in beer league when you say I'm chopping wood. <laughs> if you mean really chopping wood, that's cool. But I just I didn't know what you meant. Or that Labatt commercial where I give you a little hi right oh, in the back yeah, yeah, my, yeah, my heel knows that all too well. That's that's two minutes if I've ever yeah. seen it. Uh, that was fun. Yeah, everyone thinks you know. You, oh, you guys are actors now. Like, what do you mean acting? He slashed me. That was a real slash. No, there, there's blood to prove it for sure. And it hoi. And it hoi. But <laughs> I think that that golf is beautiful in the way that it's something that you can really invest your time into, and it's something that. The more time you put in, the better your, your results are going to be. But it is, it's probably the perfect hobby, I would say. It's, yeah. it's the perfect thing to keep you going. It's just expensive. It is very, <laughs> very expensive. But we know that coming from hockey, right? But like, I, it's almost, but I think a lot, it's almost of, the same. a lot of former athletes, I feel like that's why you know, they tend to gravitate towards golf. Because at some point in our lives, you see it, right? How many professional athletes retire and become huge golf nuts i mean some of them are while they play and that's great but a lot of them get into it even deeper when they retire because it doesn't matter what you're doing in golf you can always be competitive and that's something that eventually you lose in life if you've come from a different sport right like i'm never going to i'm never going to feel again what it feels like to step up onto the mound and to pitch in the bottom of the last inning with two outs and a runner on base like i'm never going to feel that again but i'm going to get that same tension when i'm in a match and i've got a 4 foot putt that i have to make to tie it right like so it's just oh, yeah. it's it gives you that competitiveness <clears throat> and it's also you can go out there and play by yourself and still compete because you're competing against your personal best. Yep. Right. Yep. You know, yep. if I, if I go out to Buffalo tournament club and I know what my personal best on that course is there, you better believe I'm competing against that every single time I play there. 100%. It's cool. With it's this... a timeless game. Yeah. It really is. Like you see people that are on tour now that, geez, there's a couple guys that are, pushing 50 years old that are still playing on tour. It's yeah. a timeless game. Like if I would have known that my time put into a sport could equate to anything, let alone, you know, I'm going to choose hockey because I love it. I'm going to choose golf because I, I like the game better. Whatever it is, whatever path you decide, <clears throat> golf is a timeless game. And there's people yeah. that are improving at an older age just because they're able to, right? So like, if I would have known, I probably would have picked golf over hockey because I didn't have a timeline. So it's I'm so glad, mental. I'm glad you said that, Willie. And I want to get both of your opinions on this because this is the conversation that I had with my dad a couple years ago. Um, when I first started making strides where my handicap was going down, I was like, oh, I'm a single digit guy now, whatever. I was so fired up. All I wanted to do was keep playing. And I made a comment to my dad one night. And I was like, yeah, I, I really wish I played golf younger so that I'd already be better than I am now. Because if I can improve to what I've been now, if I started when I was five, like I did with baseball, who knows how good I could be. But then he made a really good point where, you know, my dad was like, you had so much fun playing baseball. You made great memories playing that. You played it through high school. 
and you can play golf for the rest of your life, but you can't play baseball for the rest of your life. And I, I did kind of think about it and I was like, you know what, maybe I don't wish that only because I had so much fun at those weekend tournaments and doing all that stuff that I wouldn't want to give that back. And I, I hear people say that a lot because I used to say it. And it's like, what do, what do you guys think about that? Like, is there some part of you that like still wishes you played golf instead of hockey or instead of lacrosse or whatever? Or are you looking at it kind of through the lens I am where it's like, you know what? I had so much fun doing that. And now I can enjoy golf and until I can't walk anymore. If anything, I say I wish I was better at hockey so I could retire quicker and play more golf. Ah, see, you're, that's big brain thinking. Dude, right you there. are a step ahead. I mean, Damn. that's chestnut yeah, yeah. checkers. Way to blow my question up. Well, I'm just, yeah, but like, you know what I mean? That's what I would think about where it's like, and in that answer, I think I, what I'm saying to your actual question, Tudor, is I agree with what your dad said and what you think about it. I wouldn't change anything because I view hockey a certain way now, now that I had the glory days and they left and I didn't play for years and then I missed it. Cause that would have happened with golf at some point. So it, it, it is, I think it's very important when it's something you can be competitive at and make it competitive and always do it for almost, if you take decent care of yourself until the, you fucking die, you can play golf essentially, you know, one way or the other. Look at the amazing things they're doing with these war vets or just people that, you know, lose limbs or for whatever reason. Right. And there's still guys with, one arm are able to play golf still like you know what i mean so like no matter what life throws at you that it's kind of one of those games where like if i just like annihilate my achilles like it's a risk doing anything right but like i would rather play golf after i recovered from that than hockey especially in an advanced age so there's like all these kinds of things to consider with it but for me i wouldn't change anything because I don't know. I don't know for certain. I'd have the same appreciation for golf and what it brings to life now, had I not discovered it and found that excitement for it. You know, at the point I'm at now. Whereas if I, because I don't remember finding hockey and having that excitement. I just, whenever I'm out there, even to this day, like it's just like that's just some shit I do. You know what I mean? Like I have fun once I'm there, but it's not like you don't get that itch. You know what I mean? I, you don't get that golf itch that I'm talking about. Like it's March and I'm like, Ooh, I get to play golf. Cause I can play hockey whenever. Yeah. And I yeah, grew up I playing it. So like, I, you know what I mean? Where it's like golf, especially where we live, we get set months where we can just go out and play uh, like in a real course where it's not a sim or you're playing on. That was going to, that was going to kind of be my caveat to that too, is like, do we get more of that golf itch here? Because we can only play golf for a certain amount of time every year. Where if you live in South Carolina, you could play 12 months a year. I'm sure it's a little of both, but Willie, what do you think? I don't know. I, I kind of already gave your answer in a way, but. Yeah, I appreciate the game because of following hockey for my passion. Maybe I like the individual sport now. Maybe I, you know, this is why I feel the way that I do is because I had those experiences with hockey. Like, there was a point in time where I was, you know, I was frustrated playing beer league and, you know, 1045 game. You're playing with your buddies and, you know, 
like I would get frustrated and I took a break from beer league and I was just like the team aspect. Like I'm out there doing whatever I can, but it does, it's not really up to me up to mm-hmm. everyone else. Golf is, is a responsible game. Like I'm responsible for my own game. And I think I'm refreshed by that because of how passionate I was with a team sport. Yeah. That's what maybe I like the scrambles because it's like a little reminder, like, Hey, you got a team, like oh, yeah. all the pressure's not on you, but I relate to that. I big like time, that. Really. I, I like kind of like too. all the pressure. I in in a way, it's like I'm never mm-hmm. gonna have, you know, the ability to step into a locker room and get that that feeling <clears> like <throat> my heart's in my throat, like I'm 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 beating out of my chest, like I'm I don't know, like I'm excited. But I get that whenever I step on the first tee. It doesn't matter if it's a tournament or if it's just a casual round with the fellas. Like golf's exciting. Like, and if you don't play, you're not gonna understand it. And I'm sorry yeah. about that. But like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, you really. Some people might look at this, and we're gonna talk about golf, and they're gonna be like, "This sucks." And I, that's fine. You gotta appreciate that. But there's a lot of golf nerds, and I think it's because people are refreshed. And oftentimes, like, yeah, I, my immediate thought was like, "Oh, I wish I played golf more when I was younger," which I did. I played the Penn York leagues, played in little leagues, played with my grandpa. I'd go to hockey camp in Rochester. My grandpa would pick me up. I'd go to golf camp right after. So it's like, I enjoyed the game. I, it doesn't matter. I get home from school. I shoot pucks in the driveway or I go out in the backyard and chip. I enjoyed it the same amount, but I'm all, I'm all golf now. Sorry. I'm all golf now. I can't help it. Like I got to go after it. It's one of those things that drives me. You're still a guy who plays on, you play on a roller and an ice team, even in the summer though. Yeah. But that's like, I'm not going (laughs) to. So it's like, yeah, but we're still going to golf. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a hockey player, but I'm playing golf today. Yeah. We're just junkies. That's right. But no, I, I, I love the game. I can't like, I, I never can get enough of it. And maybe I got sick of hockey a little bit, putting your heart and soul into something. You probably get sick of it when it doesn't go your way. So it's, I I see it. I had family, I had family members that geez, my aunt could have played on the LPGA tour. And I'm, this was not, uh, this was a couple years ago. I think it was like 20 years ago, but she was at that skill level where she was able to compete and beat people that were on the tour. But if you're not winning every tournament, you're not going to be able to pay for your next one. Yeah. It's, I, I, we've gone into that many times on this show. It's, it's such a weird game where like you have to be in that top hundred position to be sponsored and to have respect or else you're really grinding and it's a mental game. Like you got to battle yourself all the time i'm fine because i like to go to the driving range but i'm not teeing it up at for a tournament in front of the national television in front of the whole world every week yeah and i don't have to pay for it either so it's yeah. it's not bad but yeah. i i love the game maybe because of hockey i'm refreshed with the game now but i don't know you're never going to take me away from either i don't think yeah i'm the same way i'm definitely the same way well we we brought up the golf because we had I know you guys had some takes where the takes, they weren't even like the beer league takes that we were going to get to. So we didn't even touch them. I think we should save them for next episode. I think we can. I think we leave the people on a little cliffhanger. I don't think we've ever done that. This episode was refreshing for me because I came in today like fully locked and loaded with a few golf takes that I know I'm going to get some DMs over and people are going to be fired up about. But we didn't even spout off about that. We just talked about how much we love the game of golf. Uh, So that's a good that's a good introduction to it. But yeah, no, I think that'd be a fun one to talk about, you know, maybe next time some of the things that 
drive us a little bit nuts on the golf course or some things that we love in particular, like glizzies at the turn or whatever mm-hmm. that is. But uh, Oh, we can do that. We can talk about any takes. We can we we can talk about whatever we can we can just see what takes we get to. Are we are we going to establish that there should be a cutoff age that you bring your glove to a baseball game? We might. We might. Do I hold that opinion? I don't we know. Might. Maybe you have to wait and see the next episode. Maybe you have to wait till ninety six. Am I wearing my spikes to the PGA Championship in May? We'll see. Yeah, I mean when I go to the Sabres, you are. when I go to Sabres games, I put my skates on. It's just what we do. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. I saw I saw Benny in a Bauer forty five hundred in section one twenty seven. Buddy, I wore a board, I wore a Bauer forty five hundred <laughs> for my road test. Are you kidding me? <laughs> nothing, nothing will take me away from the game. Oh. There it is, right on in. Take a Billy golf's and his. Yeah. <laughs> Billy golf. Billy brings his in case he forgets his putter, and then he just has somebody drag him, and he can just knock it in with his head. Damn right. Yeah. Man. I love it. That looks good. Good little vibe. I kind of like it. Now all we have to do is put like a, like a, you know how they have like the feather in the cap. We'll get a golf tee on one of the sides, like oh, a bedazzled yeah. golf tee, and that'll be your new look. You'd be like the on double, the bench boys. Either that a or double a na- beer holder a nail coming out of it, like Mister. Now you can't do the double nails because then you're either Frankenstein or Shrek's ears, and it's just not. <laughs> I don't think it'd go well. Well, maybe if as long as the tees weren't green, but whatever. How's the nail? Oh, it comes out next Friday. You can hardly notice. Yeah. Comes out next week. You can hardly notice. <laughs> I love it. All right, boys. Yeah. Next next week, come locked and loaded. Golf yeah. Hot, golf Save your notes. Cakes. Save those game notes, dudes. Um, yep. But, boys, pleasure as always. Everybody, thanks for listening. This was a fun episode. It flew by. I know we said we're going to get to the golf takes and stuff. We had some, but we got a bunch of stuff lined up for the next one. We'll dive into some of these. And I already know a few of tutors, and they're still going to make me mad, and we're still going to have fun with it. So strap in. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week with another brand new episode. Thanks for tuning in, as always, for Just Dishing It. This has been episode 95. See you later.